Welcome into the first episode of Beyond Mechanics with Ron Calloway. We got a good show for you today. We'll be joined by Donnie Reynolds in about 15 minutes, former Major League Baseball scout, former minor league farm director. We'll be discussing all things about the draft, how to improve your chances. But first, I want to start with this. A lot of times when we look at two players, we always think that the better player is the more talented player. And that's not always the case. A lot of times, a perceived talent gap is often a focus gap. And I know what you're thinking, man, Callaway, what are you talking about, man? Follow me, man. Walk with me on this. Back in 2006, I signed with the Boston Red Sox. And the Boston Red Sox are by far the best organization I've ever played for, hands down, for a lot of reasons. But I digress. But while I was with Boston, they sent me to AAA Pawtucket. And for anybody that knows anything about AAA Pawtucket is they love their baseball. During games, there are no promotions. There's no t-shirts being shot in the stands. There's no chicken dance. None of that stuff. All baseball. So when you're playing for a team like that, there is absolutely no way the Boston Red Sox can send a loser down there. So the team is loaded. I mean loaded with all kind of players. We had guys like Hesop Choi. We had myself. We had Willie Harris. A lot of guys with a lot of major league experience. But also on that team, the Boston Red Sox sent three hot shot prospects. And these three guys really changed the way that I look at the game. And one of those prospects was a guy named David Murphy. First round pick. Believe he went to Baylor. Uh, John Lester was another one, left-handed pitcher. Now, these three guys weren't the average prospects. I know for certain Pedroia and Murphy were married at the time, like 22 years old. And Lester might have been too, but I know for certain those first two guys were just mature beyond their years. And, you know... As the season progressed, you know, you spend a lot of time with Pedroia and Murphy and you look at them and you're like, you know, you guys are talented guys. Don't get me wrong. But the stuff I'm seeing you put out there on the field, you just don't see it from from the talent. You know, you look at other guys and you say they're way more. Other guys are way more talented. And, And when I'm talking about talent, I'm talking about things like foot speed arm strength, bat speed, things like that. You see a lot of guys with a lot more talent. But man, they sure aren't better than Pedroia. Sure aren't better than David Murphy. And so my time in Pawtucket, I used to think, like, how are these two guys in particular? John Lester was with the pitchers. I didn't spend too much time with him. He was always super talented. But... Mostly Pedroia and Murphy. How are these guys so good? Better than everybody. Better than the older players. Better than the other team's players. Better than everybody. And the more time I spent with Pedroia and Murphy, the more I realized, man, I was looking at it the wrong way. It wasn't the talent. Sure, they had some. But what separated Murphy and Pedroia from people like myself is how focused and committed they were to doing what they were doing, to reaching their goal of getting to the major leagues and staying in the major leagues. You know, when the game was over for me, I'm going out to dinner. I'm going to probably go out and have a few alcoholic drinks. Go out to a bar, get in late, and I'm going to wake up and do it all again tomorrow. 
And, you know, you get to the field and we're all going through our routines. So, you, you know, I'm doing the same thing you're doing. But I wasn't because when the game ended for those two, they making sure they get their rehydration. You know, they 30, 40 ounces of water. They making sure they go home. Like I told you, they married. They going home. They getting a nice nutritious meal. They sitting there thinking about the game. They thinking about the game plan for tomorrow. And they're making sure they get plenty of sleep. So while I'm out doing all these things that are pulling me further away from my goals, they're at home doing all these things that are getting them closer to their goals. And it made me realize, like, there is a way that you can close the talent gap. There is a way that people more talented can be less successful and people less talented can be more successful than the talented person. And it's through focus. It's through dedication. It's through commitment. It's through strategy. That's that's where those guys dominated, man, especially Pedroia. Like, there's no way you're getting Dustin Pedroia out the same way two times in a row. You might be able to do that to me. You might be able to get me out the same way the whole series. But his strategy was on a different level. His focus was on a different level. And, and, and to this day, I still watch people get in awe with talent and never give any thought to the person's focus, to the person's strategy, and to the person's skill. And those three young guys, man, I, you know, they made me look back on my career and I and I recognized it when I looked back. People like Orlando Cabrera, Jose Vidro, man, those guys were not the most talented, but damn, they sure were good. They sure were all stars, man. And the whole time I'm sitting there thinking it's talent that's going to put me where I want to go. Right underneath my nose, it was God showing me that it was more about focus and strategy. All right, welcome back. We're joined here with Donnie Reynolds, longtime Major League Baseball scout, former farm director, and Donnie's uh, longtime friend of mine, mentor. Donnie's actually the guy that traded to get me from Arizona over to Montreal, so I owe a lot to him. Welcome in, Donnie. Thank you very much. Nice to see you, Ron. Hey, man, I appreciate you joining me. And, you know, I got this podcast thing going. And, you know, it all started. It was aimed at the under-talented, how to get guys to be able to compete, you know, on the level or above the level of players that were more talented than them. And a, a lot of questions that I get asked, Donnie, is, you know, it seems like the scouts, they look at talent, and talent only. And if I'm short on talent, how do I give myself an opportunity to get drafted or possibly become a senior sign? So I want to get you on here so maybe you can touch on the different things that people can do to get themselves noticed and an opportunity to play pro ball. Well, you know, the first thing that, you know, talent's going to stand out. You, got, you have to have some measure of talent for, let's say, in my case, for me to even recognize you. You've got to, I've got to see something that tells me that here's a guy that can play at the next level, as people like to say, or has the ability to, to get, to, yeah, to play at the next level and move on. Because in all honesty, Ron, nobody I have ever scouted, I looked at it and said, that's a big league player right now. It's a big league player in the making. It's a big league player on his way perhaps, and there are some guys that have a better chance because they're a little further along on the development chain than others, but for the most part, every person I've ever scouted is in the making, okay? Now, what would I, what rec- what, what makes me recognize you? Something stands out, you know, something, and it doesn't necessarily have to be, uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be the fact you hit a ball over the, over the wall in BP. It doesn't have to be the fact that you you run a, a, a sub four 
down to first, whatever. What it has to be is really for me is the passion to play this game. Because the game in itself, as you well know, from the time you sign your contract to the time if you were lucky enough to get to the big leagues, and even then it's a grind. But it's a grind. If you don't have the passion, if you don't love the game, if you don't have the will to succeed, you're probably not going to make it, regardless of the talent level. That's interesting. So when you when you're at a ballpark, let's say you're watching a college game and you're you're watching BP and infield and things like that, what are some of the things that you see in players that show that they have a passion for the game? I just you know, if you watch and I like to go to the games early and I'm also one that I like to communicate with the players, I like to talk to them. I mean, I like to talk to the coaches, I like to talk to the people that know this player. And then all you need to do is sit and watch the guy go through his the practice routine, you know, if he's a guy that, you know, when there's fly balls hit and he's in the outfield and he doesn't work at it because he, he doesn't really, his heart isn't in it. You see that if a guy's an infielder and he doesn't take enough ground balls to really get himself ready or to improve his game, then you know that, you know, you know, you watch guys take BP and if you see, they don't want to, they're not working on their swing. They're not working on perfecting their swing and their skill set then you know that it's going to be a long road because this whole thing is about developing you and your talent level the best you can. It's not a matter of, you know, not everybody can be a Mike Trout, you know, or back in my days, not everybody can be a Dave Winfield and those mm -hmm. guys. I mean, there's physical restraints that stop us from being certain guys, but we can be who we are. So I look for guys who are trying to perfect who they are. You know, that's so important being who you are on the field and never trying to be like someone else or who the coach wants you to be. And, you know, different guys have different personalities. Donnie, can you talk a little bit about your experiences where a player who maybe you didn't pay much attention to has walked over to you at a ballpark and introduced himself to you and made you watch him? Yeah, I mean, you know, what's interesting, and, and I'll, I'll talk more probably from the collegiate level. No, I'll just talk amateur-wise. I mean, I've had high school kids who have just said, hey, glad you're here. You know, hey, a wave, or just, you know, acknowledge the fact that here I am sitting watching a game, and it's like, well, who's that? You know, and, and then I like to engage with, with uh, the parents. I like to engage with the players. I like to engage – with the coaches, because I think it's really, uh, there's a lot more to, in my opinion, scouting than just what the numbers say. The numbers give you a little bit, uh, they, they're a piece of the puzzle. But as you well know, the numbers fluctuate so much from day to day, from year to year. The one thing that you don't want to see fluctuate is that character. You don't want to see that work ethic fluctuate too much. I mean, I've talked stories about guys who Work, work ethic. And most guys in the big leagues, and people misunderstand this oftentimes, they think these guys in the big leagues just go out and they're talented and they just play. No, they work hard to hone that perfect skill. They're not, they're not necessarily as re, uh, unrefined as you might think, but they work at it every day and every in the off season. They may take time to, to refresh and reboot, but when it comes time to go back to work, you talk about professionalism, and that's what you need to understand. That is the attention to detail. That is the, the, uh, the, the, the fact that you care about your craft. So it starts with, the, with these kids who, who see you in the stands and might say, hey, how you doing? You're here again? You know, you know or what did you think of what I do yesterday? Just little comments to let me know that they know that I'm here watching the game and I have an opportunity to help them on their on the journey okay i have an opportunity to help them on their journey so it's like if you go to a if you go to a supermarket and you don't know where something is you need to ask somebody right or you mm -hmm. need to let somebody know hey i i need some help here mm -hmm. you know and that's kind of what i think if i were to tell kids is you see scouts of the game let them know hey I, I need some help here i want to get to the next i want to play for you guys i want to move to the next level you know if by chance we end up giving you some information uh, uh, it used to be we, you know, you'd give them a, 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 a I guess a bio, biography card or whatever, and 
fill it out and get it back in. I mean, show us that you really want this because there's thousands upon thousands of people out there that want the opportunity you may have just had. You know, how many, I mean, I can think back then, I hate to do it, but when I'm in high school, if there was ever a scout in the stands, it became, it became monumental mm. because here these guys are that can help you go play the game that you want, that act like you want to play, right? So, right. you know, if, if, I'm a, if I'm a senior and the talent's going to be there if you're still playing, but what you need is a little help to encourage so that you can keep going. You need a little help. You know, you need, you need, if you got a buddy that's a, that's a high round, going to be a high round pick, hang with him, man. Shoot. He's going to go, scouts going to be around him. Who's this guy that's with him all the time? I want to play. That's what I want to say. I want to play and I want to move on. So I'm going to stick with this guy. I'm going to do what this guy does and be with him and around him because I want what he's getting a chance to do. So. Wow. Has, has there ever been a time where a kid has, has come up to you, introduced himself to you, and that caused you to pay attention to that kid, and he ended up getting a, a, a senior sign or maybe a, a late-round pick? Many times. I, I, can, I mean, I, I can't number or the number of times that, you know, I might have seen a guy, and I, I got a perfect example of a guy, and it was uh, – and I'm, I'm not going to use names here, but there was a kid – that for whatever reason, I, we were, I was watching a regional. Don't know this team, have never seen this team, don't know any of the players on this team, but this guy was running balls down. He was doing all kinds of things. And he ran by and he goes, and I said, hey, good job out there. He watched me in the game. I'm going to stay. I'm going to keep doing that. You know, and then, and then after that, the next day I see him goes, I told you, watch today. I'm, 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 I'm a guy. I want to play. You know, and I, I don't even know this guy. Okay, I don't know this kid, but I went in and I had to I had to do my research. I started looking him up. I started looking at his numbers. They weren't great numbers. They're okay, but if he was in my area, that guy's on my draft list because he showed me that he cared enough for the game. There's there's been high school kids that have come up many times because of the fact that I was there scouting their their teammate, a catcher for a kid out of uh, out of Washington that I remember catching the guy and going, Hey, yeah, we're going to throw a bullpen tomorrow. And I'll be there. And he's catching, he's catching. And there's like 10 of us there to watch this guy throw uh, a bullpen a couple days later, I should say. And this catcher after it, he comes over and goes, yeah, he's good. What did you think about me? You know, and what, what do you mean? He goes, I'm catching him. I'm the one. And, you know, and so all of a sudden I go, okay, what's your name? So then I write the name down. I watch him the next and he ends up being a guy that goes on the draft list because you know what he brought it he made it brought me brought attention to himself and the other thing was i mean he wants to play we want guys who want to play this game you know and if you don't want it bad enough and you see people there then you, you won't say anything if you want it bad enough you're going to do what you need to do to give yourself an opportunity wow you know a lot of these kids they're shy donnie they don't want to talk and I try to tell them, you know, you got to come out of your shell because if you want to play in the minor leagues and in the major leagues, man, that is one of the most competitive, one of the most aggressive environments that I've ever been in. And you know how they used to say in the old days, a closed mouth don't get fed, you know? Yeah. Right. You, you, you have to be out there with what you want. You have to put it on the table. Put your cards on the table. If I see Donnie Reynolds, hey, my name is Ron Calloway. It's nice to meet you. I just want to introduce yourself, myself to you. And I know, even if you never thought of Ron Calloway a day in your life, I know if I introduce yourself, myself to you before the game, when that game starts, you're watching Ron Calloway. Without a doubt. I created an opportunity for myself. Exactly. You know, and, you know, I understand being shy, yep. but, but it doesn't take much to just introduce yourself, take a minute, introduce yourself, you know, and, and you know what, and then go on. I mean, because what you're doing is you try to open up that door for your, for that opportunity you just mentioned for yourself. If you don't knock, you can't get in, right? right. You don't turn that handle, you can't get in. And, and by turning the handle, by introducing yourself to me, all of a sudden I go, who is this brash kid? Who is this kid? And I circle you. I, now, I can't help 
but watch you during the game. That's that kid that came up and talked to me before mm-hmm. the game. And I, you know what else is going to happen? I'm going to tell the other guys that are there with me, this kid, I can't believe it. this kid came up and introduced himself, said he was something. Huh? And now these other guys are watching. You know, when you do that, you're giving people a peek inside. You're letting them see something that's invisible. Man, for one, you showed a lot of courage. Yeah. Right? And you're going to need courage if you're going to play in the minor leagues. You know that. I know that. These kids who want to play there, they don't know what they're getting into, Donnie. Not at all. (laughs) We used to call it the jungle. Yep. Got that from, uh, you remember Lou Collier? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sweet Lou, man. He used to call it the jungle. Callaway. We We can't go to the jungle because once you walk through them big bushes, they never see you again. <laughs> and, and and you got you have to put your cards on the table and be aggressive and say, look, let everybody know. Let everybody know. Because if you don't, you're gonna look back and regret. But I, I wanna double back. You talked about the work ethic of professional baseball players and major leaguers. And the beginning of this podcast was about there's often a lot of focus. There's a a focus gap between players. Some players are more focused and committed. And I, I have this saying, Donnie, you know, people say champions are made in the off season. You heard that before? Of course. Yeah. I got this saying champions are made between the hours of 10 p.m. and 10 a.m. Because, you know, I learned that when you're in the minor leagues or major leagues, most players have a routine. When they get to the field, most players have a routine. You're never going to find a lazy – I shouldn't say never. It's hard to find a lazy major leaguer or minor leaguer. They're going to get there. They're going to have their stretching routines, maybe their their strength and conditioning routines, their early hitting, their conditioning, whatever it is, everybody there has one. But I think players get separated between the hours of 10 p.m. and and 10 a.m. Because while I was going to a restaurant after the game, probably eating something that wasn't the best for me, while I'm out having alcoholic beverages, putting poison in my body, I might have been out chasing women around, doing stuff that just nonsense, staying up late, not getting sleep. Man, I talked about it earlier in this podcast. I played with a guy, Dustin Pedroia, David Murphy, John Lester, them dudes rehydrating right after the game is over. Them dudes going home eating healthy, nutritious meals. Them dudes getting plenty of sleep. They reflecting on the day. They reflecting on the early work. They're reflecting on how they played the game, and they're creating a plan of adjustments for the next day. So at 10 p.m. when the game was over, I'm thinking, hey, I put my hard work in. Does it say play hard, party hard? Now, these guys, they still doing a series of things that are helping them improve and are pushing them towards their ultimate goal. While everything I'm doing after 10 p.m. is pulling me away from my goal. And I never thought about it like that when I played in the big leagues, but I just, you know, there's a serious focus gap, not talent, between some players, and it makes some players better than the more talented player. You got any thoughts on that? I do. Of course I got thoughts on it. Thoughts on anything. But anyway, well, I love you. As, you talk, as you're talking about it, and you think about this, we go to the ballpark, there's so much structure there. I mean, in its place, it's structured by the organization or the coaches or the, the hitting guys. You have, a, you have a certain routine that's really kind of built into your playing day that you really, you have some control over, but batting practice starts at this time. We stretch at this time. You know, early work will be at this time. I mean, there's there's different windows of that structure that you have to ad- adhere to, and you don't really have any any choice on it. it. It's not like you don't have any choice on it. It's what's expected. At 10 p.m. to 10 a.m., as you say, there's no structure other than the one you put in. 
Now, all of a sudden, you become completely on your own, and it becomes a discipline now. How disciplined are you to, to get to your goal that you have? So I want to be a big leaguer. Well, how disciplined are you to get to that? Just that, that those hours you're at the ballpark or all those hours from 10 p.m. to 10 a.m.? I was fortunate enough my rookie year in the major leagues to, to room with a guy named Ozzie Smith. I used to absolutely just sit there and first of all, go what? And not like, and just not marvel at him after the games. First, we'd be at the ballpark. Then we'd come back into our room, to our, whole, to our apartment. We had an apartment together. And he'd rehash the game. And he'd talk about the game. And he'd be talking about plays. And he'd be talking about pitches. And it was like for an hour and a half after the game, either I listened to it or finally just said, man, I've got to go. But he did that every day. And as you talked about it, and as I looked at it, he did that every day. And it, truth be known, Ozzy was the most talented player coming out of college and stuff. Mm -hmm, but he mm -hmm. became the mm -hmm. odd whiz, man. I mean, come on, honest. So you look back at that, and I look back at that focus this man had on his craft and his career. And I mean, you can talk about all the legendary people, the Tiger Woods and, and the Michael Jordans and, and LeBron James's, and, and you talk about Dustin Pedroia, you know, Tom Brady probably falls in that category as well. They, they are laser focused on the craft, the thing that they've chosen. They want, they're the, they're the ultimate professionals. You know, that's what being a professional is. You know, I, I, I got into reading, Donnie, you know, once I got out of baseball. Didn't read much when I was in the game, but I got into this book, The Art of War. Ah. And I'll never forget, he said, the successful warrior is an average man with laser-like focus. You're focused. You talked about Ozzie Smith. He wasn't the most talented. You talked about Dustin Pedroia, Tom Brady. Maybe they're not the most talented, right? Right. But they were able to close the talent gap through focus and strategy. And I, I tell guys this all the time. Don't see someone's talent and think it's over for you. Because we're lucky we play in this game of baseball where they give you many ways to be successful. It's not strictly talent. In fact, I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about this, Donnie, but I remember getting to the big leagues and yeah, maybe I ran a six, six, 60 when I was 18, but I wasn't running that no more, you know? So a lot of the guys, your talent, your talent goes away and you left with strategy focus and skill and if you can develop those things at a young age a great strategy make sure you're skilled and make sure you're focused you can close the talent gap man huh? you know you you talk about the fact that you know your your god god blesses us with a certain a certain limit or measure of skill now we have a certain we got a, we got a certain level of skill and as we're young, it gets better and talent, I'll say, as it gets better and moves up and on and on and on. But at some point, that stuff begins to go down the other way. It begins to diminish. You know, and some people say 27, 28, you reach peak. Mm. Professional baseball, 30 maybe, let's say that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's so many guys that have shown that they've been able to compete against those youngsters for a long time. Mm -hmm. Cal Ripken comes to mind. Why right. does Cal Ripken... Why, why was he able to play so long as he was? When you look at him, you go, well, the guy can't run. He can't get – his first step is, is, is you can do you can measure it with a dead gum egg timer. Mm -hmm. He's not quick anymore. He hasn't got the strength that he had before and to hit the ball. You know, and all these things, you can, you can just pick him apart. Mm -hmm. But why is he still so good, okay, because of the things you just mentioned? You know, he was focused. You know, he knew the game. I mean, all that experience he had and the knowledge and, and he knew what he could do. 
And he, I mean, he just, and that's, that's the beauty of, I think the game. And that is you can play this game for a long time. If you pay attention to yourself and the skill set you've been given with and develop that, you know, and, and, and then you, you have, if it's what you want to do, then do it, be about it. You know I mean? If I want to be a baseball player. Well then do what you got to do to be a baseball player, you know? And I mean, there's a lot of things. I mean, you want to be a baseball player and you're out at four o'clock in the morning. Doesn't sound like it to me. I mean, you got a game at 10 uh, and you're saying you want to be a baseball player. You know, no, that's, you know, you want to be a baseball player and you, you, you know, it's okay. There's social life you need to have, mm. but you also, things need to be kept in perspective. Mm -hmm. No doubt about it. Um, you know, they used to say, well, the Chicago Cubs, they'll never win a championship. Say why? Too many day games, man. Them guys be out in that nightlife in Chicago, Donnie. Yeah. Day games eating them up, man. So, you know, you, you just, you trick yourself. You know, at least I did. I start to lie to myself, Donnie. Like, hey, as long as I show up to the field early, and as long as I get my early work in, and as long as I'm lifting weights, hell, I'm doing my job. But I wasn't thinking about how what I was doing after 10 p.m. rolling over into the next day and affecting my work on the field. You know, I, I forget who told me, and I wish I remember so I can give them credit, but they said, you know, you got to keep your body in peak condition for as long as you possibly can, you know, not, not just for staying healthy, but because when you come into the game, your body's on a scale of zero to 10, it's a 10, you know, you 22, 23, 24, you're never sore. You don't feel like you ever have to stretch and you just at a 10, but your mental capacity for the game is at a zero, right? And he explained it to me that it might have been Rondell White, but every year your physical ability comes down. So maybe in year three, you are nine, but your mental is up to a two. Then you come down a couple years later. Now your physical is down to a six. But when they meet, that's your prime. When, you're, when your mental and physical abilities meet, you're at your prime. So what you want to do is you want to try to keep your physical as high as you can through training, stretching, and whatever. And you just don't think about that when you're a young player. Donnie, I, never, I felt like I never had to stretch. And then I hit about 28 years old, and I'm like, man, what happened to my body? So the stuff you're talking about, the routines and things, can you talk to these young guys? about the importance of creating habits and routines that will produce the results that could, that they can keep forever right now. Like, cause I'm telling you, Donnie, I never stretched until I got to be about 27 years old. <laughs> so yeah. can you talk about habits and routines right now for high schoolers? Well, I mean, you know, you, you, for me, you break it down into what is it you're trying to accomplish? What is it you want to do? You're a hitter. Well, you've got to have some of a routine to refine your swing. I'll say it that way. If you're a pitcher, you got to have a routine to keep your arm strong and not hurt your arm because that's one of the most that's one of the most dangerous pieces of pitching is the fact that arm injuries are going to happen. So you've got to do all the things that will allow your body to take care of your arm. And the same thing with if you're a position player, allow your body to take care of all the things and requirements that playing the game takes. It's not just you going out and hitting in a cage all the time. It's not you going to throw pitches all the time and seeing how many, how hard you can throw, you know? I mean, it's about learning the craft you're talking about and also training your body to do the things to help, to help you attain the craft that you're looking at. So a lot of these, a lot of the routines that you people have, don't have to be designed for competition. They need to be designed for maintenance, for strengthening, for, for improving technique, you know, that you have. I mean, 
the off season is a great time to do all those things. And during the season, you know, I, my recommendation is keep your, keep your routine very simple, specific, and short. I mean, you, you, the game itself is going to wear you down. So as you were talking about, you know, the body and how it begins to decline, well, you've got to find ways to keep the body strong. You talk about lifting weights. Mm-hmm. When I grew up in the game of baseball, lifting weights was taboo. Mm-hmm. And then when people started lifting weights, they were lifting weights uh, that weren't designed for baseball, let's say. Big heavy lifting, a lot of lifting for, to the point of fatigue in the body. Well, if you're a baseball player and you're playing like we do, which is in, in, in college, it's what, four times a week? Mm. If it's professional baseball, it's seven days a week with a few off days. Your body can't maintain, you can't do that to your body because you can't tear it down like that. So you've got to understand what works for you. And maybe the days you'd stretched or didn't stretch, somebody should have said, hey, Ron, try these things. Mm-hmm. Do this. So you don't want to stretch, but somebody needed to communicate to you that y- your body needs this. You know, the reason you didn't need it when you were young was you probably run around everywhere all the time. So it never really was sitting around and not doing things. You've got to I think as a young person, you've got to sit and look at who you are, what you are, and you've got to understand that the body needs certain things. That's why you were talking about nutrition. You've got to talk about also understanding the game and watching the game. I mean, feeding that mental side and understanding of the game is a very important part. You know, I think some of these games they have out now, it's interesting because there's some of these video games actually have make you learn the game, which is great, you know, but I, I think, the thing is a young person, you know, you've got to really stop and, and, and you got to first ask yourself, well, so how serious are you about this thing? Mm -hmm. If you are, you pick a, you pick a time during the day or whatever to do what you need to do baseball wise. Then you got the rest of the day, pick an hour or two or whatever it might be. And it doesn't have to be taking batting practice all the time. Maybe it's just, I'm going to take 25 swings in my room today. Just swings. It it begins to build up, you know, maybe I'm going to work on my pickups today. Maybe I don't work as a pitcher. I'm going to work on just balance drills or something to that effect. Just a little piece to put in here that I'm training my body and I'm not taxing my body sometimes is important too. Man, well, that's excellent stuff, Donnie. I I was a fool, man. You know, (laughs) people probably did tell me to stretch, but I feel good, you know? And, uh, you know, I talk about, my father a lot, but he used to say stuff to me that I didn't think nothing of it then, but I think about it now. He used to quote all the time. Hey man, the time to fix the roof is when the sun is shining. See, you can't wait until your hamstrings is tight before you want to start stretching. Yeah. You see what I mean? So like, that's what we, I think we do as players. We wait until we start having injuries or tightness and then, oh man, I got to stretch. I got to get hydrated. Nah, you got to do that from the beginning, man. You got to do that from the beginning. You know, it's interesting. I was, as you said, that you were a fool. Mm-hmm. A good friend of mine, Brent Strong, told me years ago, he goes, you know, people don't know what they don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, and you didn't know then, now what you know. Mm-hmm. And you probably didn't listen to mm-hmm. your father telling you the time to fix the roof is when the sun is out. Mm-hmm. And young people probably listening to this are going to probably wave off some of these things. But there will be a few of them that sit there and will go, hmm, this is a good conversation that will take it to heart and it will make a huge impact on them, them and their careers. They will begin to have a career because they're going to listen. I remember the guys I listened to and it helped me, you know, and I didn't know some of the things that I don't, you know, you only know what you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but growing up, you know, I look back and there were certain markers in my life where somebody said something that had an impact on me that helped me move through this life. Right. Right. Well, hey, this is why I do what I'm doing here, Donnie. I'm trying to give them all the information that I wish somebody gave me. Yeah. Trying to give it all to them, you know, because, you know, it breaks my heart sometimes. There's a lot of good players out there that leave the game and they think they just stunk at the game when really they didn't stink. They just didn't have the right direction or guidance. So 
this this is why I do this. Try to give people some guidance, help some kids along the way. And you know, you see me in action. You've been down there when I work with kids, and you've helped a couple of them that I work with. And that's that's really what it's all about, man. But before I let you go, I want to double back to something you said earlier, and you were discussing about how players need to be themselves and find out who they are as a player. And I wanted you to talk about where that responsibility lies because, you know, right or wrong, a lot of us players and a lot of us coaches too, we think it's the coach's job to figure everything out for the player. And I just wanted to get, uh, a man professional because I know you ran the whole minor league system what was your thoughts on players finding out who they are for themselves is the coach supposed to do it whose responsibility is it to develop the player you know uh, I, I, I a long time ago I uh, I was with the Houston Astros and the uh the farm director there was a guy named Fred Nelson mm -hmm. and Fred said at one point he goes you know Donnie at some point Players need to take responsibility for their own development. At some point, Ron Callaway needs to figure out what Ron Callaway needs to do to become a, a, a better player. We can lay out all the things we want to you. It's like that old expression, you give a man a fish and he can eat for a day. <laughs> Teach a man how to fish, he can eat for a lifetime. So we lay out all this information there. You know, and you can't have, I mean, and you got, we got a lot of coaches now or instructors or gurus or whatever you want to call them now that are telling kids, this is what you need to do. You know, I wish I had a crystal ball to tell me what th this guy's going to be like five years from now. What I can tell you is you need to work on these areas and this doesn't look as good. This looks good. I can give you some pointers, but I can't construct and, 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 outline your whole development somewhere along the line you got to commit you got to put some skin in the game and you got to make a determination that this is what i'm doing i'm not talking about being disrespectful to your coaches mm -hmm. but you got to question it you got it you don't have to necessarily question them but you got to go okay you got me running here why right. you know i used to say we're and i still say it, working with kids doing drills or whatever i go if you ask me why am i doing this and i can't answer it then we shouldn't do this drill you should walk away and say, I'm not doing this drill. Because you know what? I need to know why I'm doing it. It's and then I need to know why I need you to have, why you need to do it. And you should be, you should feel free to understand that because you know what? You're going to spend a lot more time working with yourself than I ever will. And so you're going to become your play, your, your teammates and yourself. You're going to become your biggest uh, fan. You're going to be your biggest doubter you're going to be your biggest instructor and you're going to have to take the responsibility for all pieces of, of what you do because as i told guys <laughs> i was talking in a spring training meeting to a, a group of players and i said you know and i said that to them about taking responsibility i said because i'm going to tell you right now when it comes time and you're on the chopping block and we come in there and and they say ron calloway you know we're going to and they tell me we need to release ron calloway because he's done and I decide, okay, Ron Calloway's done. Do you all agree with me? Talking to all the instructors, all the coaches that are part of this organization, there will not be one guy that will raise his hand and say, no, he was trying to do what I asked him to do, release me. <laughs> That's not happening. You know, so understand that going forward. I mean, you, you, you've, got a, you've got a good after it yourself. So. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm laughing because – Donnie, some of these coaches, they take it personal if you want to take ownership of your career. They take it personal. Yeah. You know, I was talking with um Mitch last week, and you know Mitch, you, you took him down to Arizona. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I told Mitch, man, something that was told to me by my father, there's not a dumber way to make a decision than to put it in the hands of people that pay no price if that decision is yep. wrong. I told that kid, hey, I make suggestions. You make the decision. And, and if, if, that, if that suggestion doesn't resonate with you, then I'm going to come around the other way, Mitch. And we're going to find something.
that you agree with that you can go with wholeheartedly because that that there is another thing when you don't believe in what you're doing you know because we all got that little voice in our head this guy's talking to me but this ain't adding up now yeah now your effort towards doing that is half-assed yeah it's half-assed and you're never going to get anywhere because you don't believe in what you're doing so we can remedy all of that by you take control and but and you know another thing is like the good thing about you don is you let you let us be ourselves in the organization. I don't ever remember a time where coaches were doing that kind of stuff to us. Yeah. None of them. I can't say the same for other organizations, but with the Montreal Expos, they let you do your thing. And that that's the only way. When coaches are in your head, it's hard for you when you're, let's say, it's hard to be creative when you're worried about what somebody else thinking about it, you know? Right. And so that's that's the one thing. The best thing ever happened to me was coming to Montreal. I learned so much, got around some people to let me do my thing. We talked uh, last night about Louis Durante, a manager I had in AA, and an A-ball man. That guy used to encourage me to get better, and you're okay, you're good. And, and we had that kind of environment with the Expos, man. I just... I don't see that with a lot of these high school programs. Donnie, they 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 choking these kids' creativity off. It's, they're so controlling. I mean, you know, you, you talk about the Montreal Expos, and I, I go back to Jim Beatty and Larry Beinfest, you know, Felipe Alou. Those are the kinds of people I were around, which encouraged me as a young farm director to to be open with you guys and to trust the coaches and to give and to give players the permission to figure out who they were and for the coaches to figure out who they were. And we're all figuring out who we are all the time. You know, so I thank those guys. That was a, that was great to be around those kinds of guys. But you know, now it's like, I understand that you're trying to help players as a coach, but it's just like, what's that old expression that if you, you let a butterfly fly free and it'll eventually return to you or something like that, if it's meant to be. So, I mean, you got to let these kids grow. You need to let them figure it out. They're going to fail. I mean, really think about the game we're in, you know, you hit 300 as a player, which you failed seven times. It's a negative game we play. So the fact that they're going to make an error, people knew that because that's why they put in a column over there. That's got an E. Somebody's going to make one today. There's going to be mistakes made. It's not about the mistakes. It's about building off of those mistakes. It's about learning from those mistakes. They're going to happen. You can't stop it. It's like raising a child. You know, we put our arms around our kids, and and we'd love to just put them in a bubble and send them to school, but there's going to be things that happen to them, and they have to be able to recover on their own at some point. Mm-hmm. And they need to understand how to deal with the the thing, the bullies that are out there, you know, or, or whatever. Same thing in the game. You know, I mean, I, I mean, I watch these high school kids and I mean, they're calling pitches and they're calling, tell them where to stand. I'm thinking, so when are you going to ever let them learn how to play this game? You know, when are you going to, you're telling young kids about their things they need to do to create bat speeds. Just teach them this, you know, the basics and maturation will take care of a lot of the rest of the stuff. I mean, we're, it's, I, I don't have anything against that that the numbers and all those things are the sabermetrics, the metrics people use, but it's only a piece, you know, it's not the main piece. The main piece really is keeping kids engaged. Mm. I mean, making them that they're sure they want to play the game instead Mm. of making it so difficult that it feels like it's calculus and they want out. You know, the, the issue I have, like, I understand coaches want to call the pitches I mean, and you got you got a lot of coaches that even tell kids what to do at the plate, but they never explain why they're calling that pitch or why I gave you that approach. And the issue is, these kids playing today, Donnie, they're going to be coaches tomorrow. And they don't know why they did anything they did. And they sit there hammering home the same stuff they were told. And they never, they never thought about why I did that. They never asked. They were never told. So then we just got this cycle, you know, uh, people saying the same stuff they were told and it never ends, man. Well, it just comes back to, I mean, you know, it's, it, it's, it, it's education. I mean, it's just like, 
you know, you, you, people who teach, they teach, you know, and if you, and if it's rote learning you're after where you just regurgitate what you read in the book, you're not learning. You've learned how to repeat what you wrote, read, I should say, or what was written or whatever. You haven't really understood the meaning behind the words or behind what was written. And until you understand the meaning, you don't really get the depth of knowledge you under, you need. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing in coaching. We're, we're, you know, it, I have no problem. I'm calling pitches. This is, and then afterwards, this is why we call these pitches. This is what we were trying to do. And at some point you let them go and say, okay, let's see what you've learned. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's see what you learned. You know, we've, I've coached you and I've done everything. I can't babysit you. I can't lead you on a tether all the way through your career because it's not going to happen. But I want to teach you. So the best thing that I think I've heard was one of the one kid was telling me that his dad came to a game and his dad had been a coach and his dad watched him coach a game and his dad came up to him and said, I'm really proud of you, son, because of the way you coach. You let these kids play. You've taught them how to play the game of baseball. And that was the beauty of the thing. He's, he, the dad had taught the kid. The kid had taught other kids. And that's what we want in this game. You know, I mean, it's, yeah. You know, I might have to have you on again next week because (laughs) the topic for next week is going to be about teaching in the game today. And it's not a lot of it. You're lucky if you got a coach that teaches you the why, you know, you're very lucky nowadays, man. They build robots. Donnie, they just program them with information. Hey, man, do this right now. And you just like a robot. You don't know why you're doing it. You couldn't teach it to anybody, you yeah. know? So that's that's the topic for next week. But anyway, Donnie, I don't want to hold you up. I hope these guys got something. That's a, that's a lot of stuff there. So, you know, you know how we are. We went way over there with the conversation. We're supposed <laughs> to be talking about the draft. We way over there. So hopefully these guys got something, man. I appreciate you. For joining me and we'll get you back on soon all right all right uh, great anytime wow donnie reynolds ladies and gentlemen bringing straight heat for 40 plus minutes that's gonna do it for this week i'll get back at you guys next tuesday probably share this with your friends if you like it if you don't like it then i won't see you next tuesday peace